Welcome to Tigers SRD with two hosts who always start on second, Chris Brown, never-ending parade of mediocrity, and Roger Castillo. Oh, Roger, live in Detroit. Welcome to another episode of Tigers SRD here at MotorCityBangles.com and the Tiger Minor Report Network. I'm Rohelio Castillo, alongside Chris Brown and Uper. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, RM Media, Stitcher, and Google Play. And anybody that listens to Spotify, I mean, Spotify is becoming one of those things now where when I look at the charts every once in a while, because I got an update, because Spotify has come out with their own up, the charts here recently. If you are on Spotify, we had a lot of, I, I noticed a lot of people listen to us on Spotify, but don't haven't subscribed to us. So if you haven't subscribed to us on Spotify, do so. Take you two seconds. No big deal. Hit that follow button. Uh, we're going to update the trailer, which I realized, Chris, we... I went to listen to the trailer today. It's still your division on, uh, preview from last year. The election ones. Remember, you're like oh, the twins. Oh, wow. I still have that on there, so I have to get that to change that up. But so also go to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Tigers SRD. So I'm telling you this right now. I was out in Toledo tonight. Just just got back. I hit the road and I came back. I got the Tigers game and ran for me. So. There's many reasons why to hit, hit that patreon.com forward slash Tigers SRD. One, James Chipman is going to have some exclusive video that will be sometimes dropping this weekend. We're actually going to be dropping a pod for the Tiger Mind Report. And two, also at the same time, we're going out to these games. We're just doing our thing and just, just really it goes a long way. So Tigers, or excuse me, patreon.com forward slash Tigers SRD. And check that out. Check out the two tiers that are available. Yeah, no pressure, no nothing, but just it go a long way. So, yeah, I mean, you you uh, you paid your own way for the Mudhen or the alternate game, and it's not like you know it's not a thousand dollars or anything like that. But it's you know there's a little bit of expenditure there, and you drove down there. So yeah, and yeah, uh, I think are, we, we, are, we, are we supposed to we're supposed to go tomorrow too, right? Yeah, I I uh, as I was saying, I, I got my second shot today, my, my Moderna shot. Uh, and I was just waiting to see, you know, I've heard some people like, oh, I was packed out for like 12 hours. So far, nothing. Mild soreness. We'll see what happens. But You're impervious. What's that now? You're impervious to the pain. I like it. Well, we'll see. I mean, maybe I'll wake up. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll be a fool or whatever. But I just wanted to, like, I didn't want to officially or, or, you know, commit to it and then wake up tomorrow feeling like garbage. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think you'll be able to go. Yeah, unofficially, yeah, unofficially, we'll be going tomorrow and uh, tonight. We'll we'll go over the Spencer Turnbull start. There'll be an article posted, with all the details on MotorCityBangles.com. But I I will say it's kind of a typical Turnbull start. Looked really overpowering at times. Still nibbling the corners a little bit, but he was unleashing sort of curveball or just his a lot of his stuff was dancing around. He had a lot of movement, and it was just it was good to see Danny Woodrow got a double and a triple, both. Balls hit very hard right off against the right field wall, and then one was like kind of deep to center. And then Eric Haas had a two-run homer, and I left after the sixth inning because I wanted to come back and do this. And plus, with the Tigers playing a little later, and you know, speaking of the Tigers, though, that we'll just go right, jump right into it. It it is a tale of two different teams, Chris. Uh, and I know you you weren't here on our, our the the Sunday quickie or the Sunday supplemental show, but I'll start with you, Uper, because you witnessed. It was like night. It was like literally like Jekyll and Hyde. I don't. I don't know what else to describe it. They go into Cleveland. They look 
like just yeah. look like the same Tim old Tigers. And then they go to Houston. And although Houston may have been sick, I don't know. Uh, what did you think of the, the what did you think of the two tail of two teams here? Yeah, it is. It is really amazing how you know, in a, basically one day's time, they took the flight from Cleveland to Houston and they went from a dead ball club to a team that was, you know, playing with some jump in their step. It, it was, it was impressive. Now, was that they wanted to do it for AJ, bringing them back home and, um, or did they just catch the Astros at a bad time, but whatever it was, they came to play for three days and they put their best foot forward. You know, I was the low man here in terms of uh, when we did our predictions for the season, I had them at 61 wins. I still wouldn't go much past that, but you know, they showed some things this week. You know, they had a little diversity to their offense, which I did not ever think would be something I would say. <laughs> and uh, you know, they, they got some good starting pitching and my, my, you know, Michael Fulmer all of a sudden gave us some hope, you know, and uh, uh, it was a good week. Now, will they continue on? You know, they're going to Oakland, Oakland, uh, has the worst run differential in baseball right now. I think they're minus 26 uh, when I looked a little while ago. Um, so they're certainly not playing any great baseball. So why can't the Tigers come out of there with a split or, or better? You know, you just, you know, they might as well just keep on rolling, keep, keep the pedal down. Well, currently right now, Stephen uh, Piscotti decided, no, nah, that's not going to happen. He had a solo shot. Uh, <laughs> school is now one nothing Oakland here in the top or bottom of the third. Chris, what about you? It was again. You. This is why baseball is so fantastic. Yeah, you know, I I would venture to say that I was about as negative as I've ever been on this podcast uh, last Sunday. I, I just the weight of this years long rebuild and that just absolutely nothing series against Cleveland was enough for me. I was like, this is look, man. I don't see how you can root for this. And then they go out and have one of their best series in the year. It's like, yeah, okay, all right. I should know better. I guess all it did was prove to me that I actually still care a little bit, unlike uh, in other sports and other things. So, yeah, I, I'm still – and I find myself – And to be honest, in the last few years, I, I was kind of rooting for them to lose because I didn't think there was any point in winning. Uh, I thought, you know, the best half slot. This year, I'm actually actively rooting for them to win again. Now, who knows, maybe that'll change on the road if they're – if they go on like a 15 game losing streak or something like that. But there's enough of the young, interesting guys up now. And, and I, you know, I, it, it's kind of fun to watch. And I like uh, rooting for him to win again. So, yeah, I think I, I for as much, uh, you know, as I talk about people not paying money for this product, uh, I seems like I'm as in as ever. So, and all it takes is uh, three solid games against the Astros, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. the, the thing is, I know with the, the whole COVID, with five of their players being down, and you hear last night, one of the most depressing things after a post-game conference where Dusty Baker's like, I guess there's a, a bug going around. I'm, I'm trying to paraphrase him a little bit, but <laughs> it was so bad for McCullers Jr. that they had to put IVs in him because he was he could barely stand up. Wow. And I, I don't know, Chris, that was when I, when I, when I read that on Twitter, I was like, ooh. Man, I mean, brutal. Yeah, and there was some mixed messaging there, too, because, you know, Baker said it was a bug going around the, the clubhouse. And then didn't McCullers say it was a, his reaction to the Johnson Johnson shot? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Who knows what what's going on there? But 
Yeah, I mean, it's just weird having any sort of, like, I maintain that COVID sports are, are incredibly dumb. Like, all of it is just dumb and weird. And, and we try to feel like this is still a normal baseball season this year, but we've already seen what happened to the Nationals, and we've seen this with the Astros now, and who knows, it, it could happen to the Tigers at some point. Uh, but maybe it'll happen to their four-division rivals, and the Tigers will run away with the division. Who knows? <laughs> it's such a strange year, and it, it, it does. You, you don't like hearing about guys having to play when they don't feel like they're up to it. And, you know, Lance Collars has been kind of an up-and-down pitcher in his career, but he was he's certainly better than he was so yeah, I mean, I, I believe that he was not feeling well. It's just you feel bad for him, but at the same time, you get those wins whenever you can. They always say, you know, sometimes it's not uh, who you're playing, but when you play them. So yeah, take those three wins; they're fun. Yeah, you never have to apologize for winning. Yeah, yeah, no matter who the opponent is, and so there. And we'll get to there's there's a lot of things going on in the division this week that we'll definitely keep our eye on for the good, bad, and ugly. That could possibly have been the good, bad, and ugly or the inside of numbers. And but yeah, and but it was the other thing I wanted to mention about this series, but the Houston series was Casey Mize, who looked like the Casey Mize that we all came to expect. And I'll start with you, Chris, because I know that you were just we were talking all night about that start. It was just everything just looked good. He just overpowered, he was hitting the high part of the strike zone in the inside corner. He like his split finger, which Dan Dickerson said during the broadcast there was two different grips on it, and then I was at, I did an article about it. I thought that they looked to me he had more of a wider grip, and then but he said after the game there wasn't. But whatever the case may be, it looked really good. Yeah, you know, it was it was the sort of outing that I think, but not necessarily we can expect. But that's the way good Casey Mike outing is going to look like. I think I don't know if he's ever going to be a guy who puts up like 12, 13 strikeouts a game. But he's just going to keep hitters off balance and and get them to drive the ball into the ground, and he'll he'll surprise them at times with. Uh, and what was the the one pitch that I said was the best pitch of the game was was he froze Michael Brantley on like a ninety six mile an hour fastball inside. Michael Brantley, you know, one of the best hitters in, in baseball over the last decade or so, and uh, one of the hardest guys to strike out. And that was that's what you see. Like, like there's a chance Casey Mize can be a technician, basically, and keep guys off balance and. You know, I was a little bit worried because he started the game. I think he had two walks in the first inning again. Uh, but then he settled down with front strike. You know, that was his calling card coming out of college. And I feel like I think his his control and command was a little bit overrated. But he's got the the arsenal and enough control and command. I think he can really have some good outings. I think it was, it was nice to finally see it. I think that was I mean, I'm sure for him it was nice to finally do it. He, he probably let out a, a giant you know, it's a giant exhale uh, after the game. Like, yeah, I finally did it. I got my win. Seven innings. This is what I, I want to do, and this is what I can do. And now, you know, who knows? This guy's alone, I guess. I'm going to tell you, for, for my a couple weeks back, um, I was just kind of just speculating openly that hitters seem like never, never to be uncomfortable against mice. Um his 97-mile-an-hour fastball didn't seem 97 to me uh, because it just seemed like they were getting good hacks at it. And I was speculating, just does he need to throw up and in once in a while to make people uncomfortable? And sure enough, the other night, first batter, he puts Altuve on the deck. And then he went back to that at least three more times throughout the night. 
where he, you know, not necessarily chin music, but he was in the ballpark of the chin, you know, he's in the vicinity. And I think that's really important for him uh, to, you know, not let people dive into that plate and control you know, the plate area. He needs to control part of that plate area. And I thought he did the other night, man, his stuff looked really good. And I think part of that was the Astros weren't getting the swings that some of the other teams have gotten off in the past. Uh, so I would, I hope that that was a little bit of the strategy and I hope it's something we continue to see. Uh, obviously you don't want a headhunter, but there's nothing wrong with uh, making feel people, making people feel uncomfortable. And uh, that, that was, it was really fun to watch. That was, to me, I, Akil Badu has been fantastic. That's been great. But man, that, that my start was uh, really something uh, in terms of a highlight for this year so far. Yeah. And in Pedro Martinez, I mean, he got the acquisition of being a headhunter because he always, I mean, granted, he did hit a lot of people. But when he was starting out as a rookie in Montreal, in his first couple of years in Montreal, he got the inside corner because he challenged the hitters on the inside. He dominated those early years when he was still adjusting before he went to Boston by throwing inside. And that kind of, I'm not saying Pedro Martinez and him are completely different pitchers, but Mize establishing the top. And it was, it was a theme. Again, we've talked about this before the Fetter made effect. Cause we saw that the next night with Matthew Boyd and Chris, again, he boy was going to top of the zone. He was doing a really good job of dropping that vertical, like going from, up and down and just hitting the both sides of the plate. And I thought that what impressed me about boys performance too, was is the fact that, yeah, there was a lot of hard hit balls and, and you can, you know, you can microcross on that, but again, he was able to avoid big beginnings. Yeah. I mean, the, the one sort of thing that we, we heard about Chris Brenner and we read about from what Cody was right about him with, with Michigan was that he's very good at, Helping pitchers maximize their their arsenal, basically getting them to use their best pitches and, and the best areas to throw them and all that stuff. And we've seen some evidence of that. We, we saw we saw it with Michael Fulmer. I mentioned in the article the other day, Michael Fulmer's fastball usage is down twenty percent this year, uh, and that was in the bullpen, which is not typical, you know. Until I, I haven't, I don't know how much through yesterday, but yeah, he, Michael Fulmer is using all his pitches now. Boyd is using all his pitches now. Mize was using all those pitches. You know, I, I think there's a definite effect there. And, you know, you don't want to give better too much credit, but uh, so far, so good, I think. I think we've got some evidence that it's working. Well, it's interesting. You know, I saw your, in your piece that Fulmer is down 20% on fastball. I was looking at Boyd after that third start. He's also down 20% on fastball usage. I mean, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of a weird coincidence if it is yeah. one. <laughs> so that's interesting. Effect going on there. Yeah, I mean, played up to so many streams and, and kind of recognizing what has to be done to, to adjust is the one thing that I think we haven't seen before, an intelligent approach from the pitching side of things. And saw that with Fulmer, too, with yesterday's start, where, again, the thing about Michael Fulmer yesterday that I really – what I liked about is enjoyed about his start a lot, too, was a lot of quick innings, where the Tigers hasn't, haven't really had that all season until this week. And, and Myers had a six-pitch inning on Monday night. Or was it, yeah, Monday, Monday night. Yeah, Monday night he had a really quick inning. You were just it was kind of blown away a little bit there, but it was the opposite of last week. Last week it was so many long innings, but this week was just very short and brief, and so that was definitely needed. Yeah, and I, I did credit to you, really. You wrote the article last year about Fulmer and said, hey, 
you know, looking back, it's it's it tends to be the guys their second year back from Tommy John's injury where they finally get the velocity back. And, you know, through the first couple outings in spring, it just didn't look right. Fulmer still looked like the same guy he was last year. And then for whatever reason, in the last, you know, three or four outings, he's pitched. His fastball's been, it's not up to like 98, but it's getting pretty close. I mean, he's, he's sitting 96 at times and, and anywhere from 94 to 97. And it's like, yeah, I don't know what happened, but he found his fastball and he really looked, aside from throwing more of his secondary stuff, he looked like the old Michael Fulmer. He wasn't, like I said with Mice, he wasn't a guy that ever really struck out a ton of people. I think he hit double digits maybe twice. But he just, you know, he had him pounding the ball into the ground and nobody was making solid contact there until the fifth inning. So, yeah, I mean, that that sort of thing, if that is a, something that we can count on, a development of the season, that, that raises the bar for the Tigers this year. It does, because, you know, when Fulmer was at his best, he was a 3-4 win pitcher. And getting, getting a guy like that out of nowhere, basically, uh, has to have a good effect for you. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and again, spring training was like 94, and everybody's still freaking out a little bit. But I, like I said, it's just looking at the research. Tommy, the second year, you it's the, I think it was, I forgot the, the, the reduction in, I think it was a curveball, or I forgot what the secondary pitch was when I wrote the article, that you see a reduction in. And so, but yeah, I mean, moving on, I mean, outside of the Akil Baldu show, which has been the theme all week, it is one of those things where Wilson Ramos leads the league in home runs, but it's a strange way to look about it. Six home runs and six RBIs. <laughs> well, no, he did get a he, he did hit a two run homer there. I yeah, thought, yeah, so. it was, yeah, but just but it's pretty much you're pretty yeah pretty close. <laughs> it is a strange thing. It's certainly not his fault that there's nobody on base for him when he hits home runs. But just uh, you know one of those weird quirks. Yeah, was that was that Willie Castro that just had a year, by the way, or is that I can't tell? Um, it's it was, yeah. I see official score ruling ruling pending, but yeah, it must have been an error because the bases are loaded and now Google's uh, one ball away from walking in a run, unfortunately. Yeah, and by the way, it is Jackie Robinson Day, so I'm I'm glad when I see everybody had number 42 out there. But it was strange seeing a bunch of number 42s in the Cleveland White Sox brawl this afternoon. <laughs> Started was, by Adam Eaton. That was strange. Yeah, we'll we'll I'm sure one of us will get to that a little bit, but it is time for the segment that we always kick off the show. We always kick off our second half of the show. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention Marty's fantasy baseball tips will be in the middle of this. So probably before we go, uh, you know, actually it'll be at the end of the show, I should say. So um, Marty, our fantasy expert is going to be having a little segment for us, but nice. It's time for Rogelio and Chris to go inside the numbers. All right. Youper, you're up first. What is your inside the number? The number that got my attention this week is 61 feet, six inches that they're going to go in the Atlantic league at MLB's behest and moving the mound back a foot. And to me, that number means a lot. Um, You know, I've been on the the bandwagon with the folks who say the problem has been the velocity and the strikeouts uh, in baseball. And what are we going to do to fix that? Does it need to be fixed? I think it kind of does. Um, so I'm very, very intrigued to see in the second half of the Atlantic League what the game looks like with a 61-foot mound, uh, 61-6. And do we see any appreciable difference? Uh, 
I'm in the camp too. Also, I don't think the pitchers are really going to get hurt from it. Um, I'd be surprised if there's a all of a sudden this um, uh, long line of rotator cuff injuries and uh, torn UCLs. Um, but if the math is right and it makes a 93 mile an hour fastball more like a 91 and a half mile fastball, um, you know, that we should see more balls in play. And I think that's going to be a lot more than uh, deadening the baseball and a couple of the other things they're trying. Uh, they needed to do something to counteract all the velocity and all the strikeouts. So that's a, that's a big number to me. It's going to be a fun summer to, to monitor that. Yeah. One of the, I feel like it's going to result in a lot more walks, at least initially. I feel like it's, it, it might take some time for the guys to really dial it in there, especially with like their feel for the breaking balls and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it, it is an interesting thing. It's something people have talked about a lot because I think you're exactly right. Like everyone talks about why, you know, hey, there's so many strikeouts now and these guys don't put the ball in play like they did in the eighties. And it's like, well, yeah, the average fastball's up like six miles an hour than it was. Like, yeah. I remember you can go back and look at scouting reports of guys who threw 90 miles an hour being hard throwers in like 1988. Yep. And now you're not a major leaguer if you throw 90. And plus, you you never see a pitcher a third time anymore either. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, you don't see a guy tiring anymore uh, that often. You got, you have a new fireballing reliever coming in throwing 101. Yeah. It's, not <laughs> it's cut. Yeah. So, so yeah, no, there's no more days of the pitcher with a gut that goes out there. Uh, those days are long gone. <laughs> we, we might still get a couple of those guys every now and then, sometimes, but uh, I, I can't see any right now. Um, so, so I got my inside. The numbers uh, are eight and ten, uh, and eight is the number of opposite field home runs that Tigers hit this season, uh, and ten is the number that they hit all of last year. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, so far this year, Badu has three. Wilson Ramos has two. Mazzara, Miggy, and Griner all have one. Last year, Miggy had four. CJ Crone had two, and, you know, in a limited time. And Willie Castro, Jonathan Scope, Jacoby Johnson, and Chris Stewart all had one. I don't know if there's any huge point here. It's, you know, it's just kind of interesting. To, uh, and I guess it was early on, uh, to the extent that the Tigers had some sort of plan this offseason, it seems to have worked. It's getting more power. I think uh, they hit eight home runs in the Astros series, and seven of them were from guys who weren't on the team last year. So we don't know if it's going to work long term, but, you know, and Mazar is on the IL now. But the guys they brought in, for the most part, are, are hitting for power, and that's what they needed, and that's what they wanted. I don't think they expected Akil too to be one of them, but uh, hey, you take what you can get. So but it's interesting. Let's look at that whole field approach now. Let's see, is it the cool effect? Cool ball, cool ball. Yeah. Hey, uh, cool a, ball. a cool ball. So my unsighted number, there's two of them. It's uh 249 and 14%. And that is the, the 249 is the XBA of Jacoby Jones. And the 14.3 is a barrel percentage. And so if you look at his batting yeah. average right now, he's batting 130 overall. But the XBA is a little, it tells a little, a, a little more to it. I mean, he is striking out a thirty, almost thirty-five percent clip, and the inconsistency of him, uh, the emergence of Akil Baldu out there in the outfield is making Jacoby Jones' days here in Detroit. I don't want to say number because I don't, I don't believe in those kind of definites, but I still think he has some sort of. I mean, he's got two hits on the year, or excuse me, three hits on the year. He's a, just, I think the the model of inconsistency in terms of play right now because he doesn't play every day could be hurting him. But at the same time, 
I don't know. Like, there's, I'm not going to, you know, just throw away Jacoby Jones or anything, but it is worth mentioning that he is hitting the ball, sticking the ball. It's just, unfortunately, it's some bad luck. So, but at any rate, you can, who got that single there just now? As we're all watching the game, is that Candelario? Oh, there you go. Mr. Consistency. Mr. Consistency. So, to make him a, 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 some sort of superhero outfit that's just super plain and normal. Yeah. Mr. Consistency. (laughs) Just just like a a polo shirt and some sandals. Yeah, some slacks, some khaki slacks. It has to have some khaki slacks. But, uh, yeah, so. Drinking coffee. (laughs) <laughs> black no cream though no cream that's, that's the way he likes his coffee but no it's it's mr regular and that's okay because the tigers need a, a mr regular like that but uh so yeah that's my my inside number for this week and let us move on to the good and the bad and the ugly this week and there's a lot of interesting I mean, especially going on what happened yesterday in Chicago that we could talk about. There's, of course, Seattle in the standings right now. There's there's a lot of different angles to go after the Rockies being the Rockies. And I don't know. But, Chris, I'll let you lead off the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah, very good. And you know what? I, I did. I tweeted out that we were recording right now and asked people for questions. We got like four of them. So we can. Sweet. That'll help us then. Uh, so, my good. And it always feels dumb. Uh, for me to pick players that are so obviously good, but still, I think it feels mentioning that Ronald Acuna Jr. is off to an insane start this year. He is uh, through 13 games, he's hitting 442 with seven home runs, six doubles, and a triple, and he's three for three on steal attempts. Uh, he has six walks and nine strikeouts. It, and if you look at his percentile chart at baseball savant, it's insane. Everything, every batted ball statistic is at least in the 96 percentile. Most of them are 99 or 100. Uh, he's also in the 99th percentile in base rate, so suddenly he's not swinging at all, or basically he's only swinging at strikes. But he's in the 98th percentile in shift speed. Uh, the other day he he beat out a routine ground ball to shortstop. He beat it first. Um, he's exactly the sort of power speed player that I absolutely loved growing up in the 80s. The Eric Davises and the Joe Strawberries and that's Barry Bonds, uh, and it's it's yeah, it's really fun. He might not walk enough or play good enough defense to, you know, kind of unthrown or dethrone, unthrown, dethrone Mike Mike Trout as the best player in baseball. But it seems like if anybody in baseball is going to do it, it's going to be one of the junior. So I just uh, he's so fun to watch. Uh, and my bad, my bad is Jock Peterson, uh, who I think was my first good of the year when we started doing the segments again. I feel like he was my first good. I think uh, so, because, yeah. Because in spring training, he had ridiculous numbers. Remember, he had 378 with eight homers and four doubles in 18 games. But uh, apparently not everybody can be a field badoo when it comes to, to duplicating your spring training success. So, so far, he's taken 108, one home run, and 15 strikeouts in 12 games. That is uh, good for a WRC plus of 18. And he is tied for a worst in baseball with negative .04 war so far. I think he'll be fine. If anybody's been listening to this long enough, they know that I put my my guys who I think are going to be fine in the bad category, just pointing out that they've been doing poorly. But uh, so he'll probably still end up with like a two or three worst. But but his bad start is one of the reasons why the Cubs have the worst offense in baseball right now. I mean, it's him and everybody else except for Chris Bryant and Willie Harris. But uh, yeah, it's a rough start for a guy who was so good in spring. And 
And of course, I've jinked myself here with the ugly, which was Oakland pitching. And uh, last night, Jack Farr, they included him. Oh, no, I thought he was just scored. All right. Willie Castro. Nice. Hey, good for Willie Castro. Uh, but yeah, so, so so far this year, Oakland has the worst pitching in baseball. Uh, and their starters have been really bad. In 12 starts, Shamanaya, who's pitching today, Chris Bassett, Jesus Lizardo, Frankie Montas, and Cole Irvin have combined for a 6 6 3 ERA and a 5 4 9 FIP, which are both the worst in baseball. They have the second lowest strikeout per nine in baseball. I know where the Tigers, so by the way, Tigers have the worst strikeout per nine for starters. And they've given up 11 home runs, which is tied to the second worst in baseball. So that's, that's what Oakland's dealing with right now. And the relievers aren't much better. They've got the fourth worst ERA among relievers and the and fourth worst war at negative 0.4. And they've got the lowest strikeout rate. And they, they, they have the lowest fastball velocity among relievers by far. A lot of that, I think, is Real Romo back there, who's fastball 84 miles an hour. But uh, yeah, it's really kind of odd to see that their average fastball velocity from a reliever is 91.7. And for their starters, 94.1. I, I don't think that's typical to have your starters throw much better than your relievers. So yeah, I'll say they have the worst in baseball. I don't know if it's going to last, but uh, I, I would assume they're going to get better just throughout the course of the year. But yeah, it's ugly right now. And uh, by the way, speaking of relievers, Tigers uh, relievers are tied to the worst war and have the worst reliever ERA. So <laughs> uh, I don't know, they have to get some chance to, to score some runs in the series and maybe getting into the bullpen uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but uh, you know what happens when we expect things. Tigers probably score that one run they scored just now is probably the only run they'll score in the entire series. <laughs> All right, Uper, what is yours? Well, just to prove to the folks listening that the content is organic on this show and that we don't plan things ahead, I have to look. I'll put this on the camera. You probably can't read it. But Chris was listening, had hacked our Alexa, okay? And it said, you even use the word insane. I have insane Ronald Acuna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, then that's the thing. He stomped on me. But that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Sorry about that. Ronald Acuna, oh, it's great. Ronald Acuna is my favorite non-Tiger. There's just no question about it. I love watching him. I watch all of his at-bats. Uh, well, not all, but, boy, the, the vast majority – what he's doing this year is really amazing. You, you you cited all the numbers, so we don't have to rehash those. But one thing we didn't talk about is the rest of that team, the rest of that lineup is not hitting. I'm, I'm, it's amazing he's getting anything to hit at all. Yeah. And uh, he is dominating. And the cool thing is, is, is that strikeout rate is cut in half. Um, and, you know, I think it was Randy just early a few years ago said that strikeout rate tends to normalize fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. That would be really interesting to see. If he stays around 14% with a walk rate around 10%, it's probably going to go up if he keeps raking like this. I can't imagine he's not going to walk more. Um, the power he, he, you know, the power he's showing, um, to me, you can always look stupid when you, when you make this kind of comparison uh, because you're, we're talking about an all-time great. But when you look at the production, minus the strikeouts, which are, were higher, but the eras were different, at this age, from when he debuted at age 20 through now, and when Willie Mays debuted at age 20 through now, I'll tell you, I wasn't around for Willie Mays, but I read a lot about Willie Mays. I watched a lot of old films about Willie Mays. Ronald Acuna gives me that vibe. 
Like he's going to be that kind of long lasting star. Um, just, just really, really fun to watch. Um, so that's, that, that was, I had that under, I, I was going to go the good, the insane and the ugly today. And <laughs> he was insane. My good, we also touched on it a little while ago was Jamer Candelario. Um, but we can talk about him just a little bit more under the good, you know, he's only hit one home run, but he, but he's, you know, he got the hit tonight. He was hitting, you know, coming in, he was hitting uh 326, 415, 478. I wanted to see this year how he followed up from the short season last year. Because we all know I, I've been giving people a pass if they struggled last year because it was a weird season. But there's also on the flip side of that coin, if you had a great year in that 58 game sprint, you know, what did that really mean? Because he certainly came off a poor year the prior season. Um so I think it's a very good sign that through uh, 55 plate appearances, which is not a lot, but still he's hitting and he looks good and he's, he, he has a consistency to his at-bats um, because the Tigers, let's face it, for me, there's really only six or eight players on this team that I think will be a part of the next contender, um, maybe a couple more than that, but really the, the ones I really care about. Um, and he's one of them. He could be one of those guys that you rely on, you know, to bat fifth or sixth in your order uh, of a good team, of a good lineup. Uh, so it, it's good to see him off to that kind of start this year. Uh, my ugly Jason Stark's article, not about Jason Stark himself. The article's fine. <laughs> the double hook, the uh, losing the DH if you take out your pitcher. You know, I'm all for trying things. Not a problem. I, I don't think we need to keep playing the same game for the next hundred years and just see what happens. We can try to do things to shake it up. I, th- that's okay. Uh, I don't need to see more pitchers batting though. Okay. I don't, I don't need that to come back into the American league. Um, and the double hook thing, I think the big drawback is, yeah, you, you pull your pitcher, you lose your DH. How does that make sense? You know, if your starting pitcher gets crushed in the second inning and you got to take them out, now you're behind, say seven to two, and now you've lost your DH. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't see, you know, who might be one of your best hitters if you're, especially if you're rotating in a guy like, let's say, Ronald Acuna was getting a night as the DH. Now you've lost him. You know, yeah. so um, I don't like the idea. Uh, I am fine with DH baseball. I think there's other things we could do to, to, um, you know, create a game that we all want to watch. That's a little bit more you know, pleasing to the eye at times. I don't know. It seems to me like a lot of the, the sports writers, especially are pining for the days of lefty Carlton versus Tom Seaver in 1975. And both of them are going to go nine and it's going to be a, you know, a two to one game. And that, you know, there was, I'm sure that was thrilling. Okay. I, I had Steve Carlton's cards and Tom Seaver's cards and that's great. But, you know, I don't mind the science uh, behind going through the order twice and bringing in new relievers. It makes sense to me. I can see it. So if that's what the rule is really for, eh, it doesn't do it for me. Uh, The whole double hook thing. I'm not understanding that at all. I feel like that's one of those things where you ever stay up all night and you get a little loopy and you start thinking everything's funny and like just the random stuff. It just seems like the MLB was up all night. And they were just like really tired, and and somebody said something, and they're like, "Oh, that's a good idea." Yeah, 
oh, it's a really good. You will just, you know, or like, it just, it just, it's, it's asinine. And as far as like going back to those old, olden days of baseball, screw that. I mean, look, I, I like a good four to three, five, four game. I don't like a lot of offense, but I'm not going to be an old man yelling at cloud about it. Like I, you know, those days of baseball are gone. I like the strategy aspect of it. I like having the relievers. I like the, the combination of that. You but, know, it's interesting. I, I, I agree with you. Um, a few years ago, I was on a chat room with some guys and good, you know, they became friends of mine because they're we're all Tigers fans and we were talking about baseball. It was great. I was always amazed by the endless fascination that they had for the complete game by a pitcher, you know, I, and I was, I went through this argument so many times, like, I just want to win. Whatever is the smartest thing to win. Let's do that. And if that's bringing in a fresher lever, let's do that. Um, But somehow there's this, that romantic notion that man, that guy, he's a man's man. He took the ball. It was his game. He got it done himself. Somehow that's a better win, but it's not a better win. You know, yeah. Can we? Can we? Uh, can we remind everybody that these pitchers had to take cortisone shots because yeah. they're pitching so much? Do we, do we need to do that? That that cause bone spurts and other issues with cortisone shots? Uh, no, we, we won't talk about those days because that's yeah, we can't talk about that. <laughs> right. You know, it, it, it continues to be kind of absurd. I mean, everybody knows pitcher wins are, are not a good stat to measure how good a pitcher is. Uh, but it's it's still kind of ridiculous that to get a win as a starting pitcher, you have to pitch five innings. Whereas a reliever can come in, not throw a single pitch. He can pick a guy off at first base. His team scores runs. He gets the win. He didn't throw a single pitch and he gets the win. But Carter has to throw five innings. It doesn't make any sense. Like and there's no reason they can't teach that. You just give it to the guy who who was pitching when this team took the lead. But uh, I don't know. That's where the opener strategy. You know, if that would have ever really taken hold, and I'm not sure it's going to, but that would do away with the whole five inning nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. As far as uh, the other thing that I wanted to clear up once and for all before I get to my good and bad and ugly this week is stop saying Chris Shelton and Akil Badu are the same thing. Stop. <laughs> I don't know where the hell that came from, but stop. Okay. I mean, comments I've seen this week on Twitter and in the comment section on Motor City Bengals. Chris Shelton was drafted in the Rule 2003 draft, correct? He was correct. in the Rule 5 draft, yeah. yeah. Rule yeah. 5. Yeah, Rule 5. Yeah. yeah, okay. So he spent a whole... 2004. Maybe t- either way. Yep. He hit all those home runs and when? Jim Leland's first season, 2006. Well, he had a, he had a good run in 2005. So that's, no one ever remembers that. They just remember that he, he had a crazy, like, 10-game stretch in 2006. And then I, it fell I, off. It, People are saying yeah. that oh he was the first baseman I remember, and then they, I don't and because I it leads me to the Miguel Cabrera narrative. Enough, stop calling Miguel Cabrera lazy. Stop calling him. He's not even playing. You're not even paying attention. It's just a lazy take on a comment section. I hate the comment section because some of the laziest <laughs> and dumbest things I've seen on there. Stop ripping on Miguel Cabrera. Stop. All right, he's broken down. He's a He's not what it used to be. That's what happens to every single slugger. Stop so being no. an asshole. But, but Raj, their payroll is shot because of Cabrera. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, let me talk about that narrative again for the millionth time. Gosh. Gosh, come on, folks. 
If you're Cabrera, aren't you really upset that the the organization is using you as an excuse to not make the team any better? Like, absolutely. He didn't fake, force them to pay him that much money. Yeah. It, yeah, it's, so wait, and if he didn't, imagine if he did. Okay, imagine if the Tigers didn't and they let him go. Oh, you know, Miguel Cabrera, this and Mel, you know, stop, stop it. Anyway. Yeah. All right. So my good, the, the good, the bad, the ugly this week, and it starts with Boston and the Red Sox after getting swept by the Orioles have decided to win nine in a row. And it's a combination of a lot of different things. And JD Martinez looks like he's back to himself. I mean, just batting over 400 and again, early season, but there's some and the reason why, and I, I, I didn't think about this, Chris, we talked about this last year. Remember when he was struggling because he couldn't watch his video. Remember he was talking about that, how he yeah. couldn't get access to his video. Maybe he got access to his video this year and it's back to that when he was before. Yeah, I think everybody. I thought I thought that it was originally talked that guys wouldn't be able to look at video this year, but I think they can again. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and that's one of the things when you think about, like, all right, well, you know, many years ago, I wonder how many hitters would have been there 20, 30, 40 years ago if they had access to video. But you know, not everybody uses it and can use it or uses it for the tool that it can be. So mm-hmm. I give him credit. But yeah, I mean, it, he's been off to an awesome start too. He had the three homer game the other day. Yeah. And uh, not to mention, I mean. It, it, it's also it's good to have a guy like Eduardo Rodriguez back. I mean, he missed uh, all 2020 with uh, I think it was myocarditis. Yeah, myocarditis. Yeah. They, they were claiming uh, they thought was a, a side effect of having COVID. I think yeah. that is considered one of the the potential side effects. So. Yeah, he had, he missed the opening day because of a dead arm, but he's been back in the in rotation, looking good. And then you have Matt Barnes has just been unbelievable as a closer for Boston and giving them a good bullpen presence. And it's a team that wasn't really, I mean, again, this is really early in the season, so um, we'll see what happens, but they're the only winning team right now in the AL East in terms of over 500. And they had a really good series with the twins. And so it's, it's really, I don't know. It's really interesting to see so far. My bad is the Chicago manager What's going on Chicago um, with Ryan Turpa and David Ross who were suspended, uh, received a three-game suspension and a fine for intentionally throwing at Brandon Woodruff, and and Ross got a one-game suspension. But the pitch was because he purposely threw him behind him. And why – what happened? What was the whole beef? It was because uh, Castro Wilson Contreras was hit by Woodruff earlier in the game and on six other occasions over the last calendar year. And in one case, one of them led to a brawl, but um, but I guess people are pointing out that Contreras was seemingly going out of his way to get hit. So um, also they showed, I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter, but they showed up like a super cut of Contreras getting hit by Woodruff. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to send it to you guys here in a second. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's fascinating. To, it's fascinating to watch these two go back and forth because you don't think when you think of rivals, you don't think of the you always think of the Cardinals and, and Brewers. Or no, I'm sorry, the Cardinals and Cubs. Yeah. But this one's getting worse. But uh yeah, it's just it was just it was just ugly because quite frankly, this whole old fashioned rule thing and all this stuff, but the, the comment section was pretty ugly too. Mm-hmm. Or the bad. And the ugly is what happened yesterday in the no hitter with Perez <laughs> and Carlos Rolnon. And first of all, Carlos Rolnon getting back into the swing of things for all the guys been through kudos to him. He should be, he's I'll put him in my good too, because um, 
between him and Candelario making my day the last couple of days or last week or so. By the way, Candelario is just making me look better and better every time he plays, but I digress. Um, he did have an error just now. But. Yeah. Oh, he was the one that had the error. Okay. That's again with the 42, sometimes it's hard to tell. And I have the screen. Uh, is that, yeah. is that, a, is that Alex or no, it's Buck Farmer warping up right now. Um, but anyway, so yesterday he had his perfect game. It was, it was the, was it one out when he pitched the Perez guys? I couldn't remember. Yeah. Yeah. One out and Perez, it looked like he kind of took it. He took a, took the a foul ball or took a ball to the foot. And Carlos looked at him while he's going. I was like, really? This is how we're going to do this. And <laughs> they had a little exchange of words and it spilled over in today a little bit. And there was a brawl in Cleveland where basically what Adam Eaton got up and shoved the, or the, was it Adam Eaton shoved the, the, Jimenez, base, the shortstop. Jimenez, yeah, Jimenez, yeah, and that got ugly. And it was, it was, in, it was the, the tension was carrying over from yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think Cleveland was pissed that they got no hit, but either way, it was uh that's all just uh, all sorts of ugly for Chicago. Also, I want to mention in there my good, and I forgot to mention this, and this is kind of bothering me real quick. Is Michael Kolbchak's twenty three point seven percent swing and miss rate right now for him? If there's a lot of things that are not go- or going right for Chicago, Chicago's had a really weird start, but that is one of them right there. Mm. Fastball's at 97 and just been that swing rate, swing and rate, swing and miss rate stands out a little bit. So that is my uh, good and bad ugly this week. I'll tell you, I'm kind of enjoying seeing some of the, yeah, I don't mind a bench clearing brawl. You know, I, I, I like the fact that there's, there's some intensity into the game. Um, I don't need to see everybody chit-chatting at first base and being all happy all the time. I mean, we don't need silly, you know, like I say, we don't need headhunting with pitches where you're going to kill somebody. Uh, but, you know, showing there's nothing wrong for baseball with shows with, that these guys really care and that they want to compete and they want to beat each other. Uh, you know, there, there's some positives to be drawn from that. Yeah, the passion and people were uh, going back and forth about it and just – but those Chicago, it's just funny to see both teams like that. So there's there's an interesting discussion going on in our baseball and judgment DMs about Ramos. Anyway, I was distracted for a second. But all right, uh, we have questions, Chris. Yes, we have a couple. Let's see. Let me get them. All right. Oh. First question from Field Diamond. But assuming good health for all, what will the starting rotation for the Tigers look like come the middle of May? So about a month from now. Um, now I've seen this question, so I can kind of start, or if you guys want to jump in and tell me what you think. Well, the rotation look like in the middle of May. Hmm. Yeah, assuming health for all. All right, I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a stab at this first. I'll take a first crack. I think it's gonna be Fulmer, Mize. Be Boyd. Then I think it's going to be internable. And you know what, Scooble. I mean, if I, I'll I'll stick with I'll I'll say Scooble sees in the rotation too. I think it's I know he's kind of struggling this evening, and there's the, the loss of velocity. People are worried about in the spin, all that stuff. But kind of overreacting for now. But I think that's the rotation's going to be. Um, I think that the I think the Tigers' rotation for the next at least till beginning of June will be somewhat normal. Um, I think uh, Urena is going to go to the bullpen. 
I would think that's the best case scenario. I mean, you know, Urania is what he is. He's kind of a guy who was brought in to chew up a few innings and do what they need to do. But so if they got five guys who can outpitch him and he moves to the bullpen, that's fantastic. Um, you know, I think the assuming good health part is always the uh, the canary in the coal mine there. <laughs> so um, I, we'll have to see. I mean, it's just I worry. You know, I'm off to one. There's, there's no reason to talk about pitcher injuries, I guess, because they they can break down anytime. But yeah. Mize's past always will kind of hang over me until he proves differently and gets through the next year or two. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, I think I would echo what you guys say that, that assuming nobody's injured, that uh, the five starting pitchers will be Boyd, Mize, Turnbull, Tubal, and Fulmer. Now, uh, I do still kind of think they may try a six-man rotation down the road. Uh, if not, then I would think Urania will go to the bullpen, uh, and and. Yeah, the main thing you said, they brought him into East Innings, and so far he's struggled to get four innings uh, in, in like both of his outings. But we see the same thing with Scooble, unfortunately. Uh, and that was one of the other questions we had. Um, the next question that we got was so this is Jason Wolverton. Scooble isn't impressive much to Mike. Do you think when Scooble comes back, Scooble could end up in the bullpen, or would they send him to Toledo? I. I don't think either of those things would happen unless he's injured. Uh, and, 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 you know, they wouldn't just, if he's injured, they wouldn't say, oh, okay, you're injured, go to the bullpen. I just mean that, that I don't think we'll see him in Toledo unless he's injured. Uh, I suppose everything could completely fall, fall apart for him. Something doesn't seem right with him right now. He's having trouble throwing strikes. Now, that, that's, you know, that was an issue for him last year, too, and in spring. But, uh, you know, the velocity isn't quite where it was. And we talked about the spin before. Something isn't quite right there. It's hard to know. He, he might not even know. Maybe it's uh, a minor issue. Maybe he's got a dead arm. Uh, but he did. He showed some some moxie, I guess you'd say today. I mean, he, he loaded up the bases there, and I thought they were going to take him out. And he got uh, he got out of it, and I think he loaded up the bases in each of the last things, right? And struck out Matt Chapman, and then uh, in this last one, who did he get? I don't know who he, who he got in that uh, last one. Or, uh, Jed Lowry got him fly out so i don't know he, he, if he keeps struggling like this i guess he could go to Toledo. but i, I feel like he's better than this so it's, it's either going to be some sort of trip to the il or he'll get better yeah i could say like the max scherzer plan where they sent him down for a start or two kind of got himself squared away and revamped and came back um but otherwise if, if scuba's healthy i'm in the camp too i mean if if they can get him 27, 28 starts in the big leagues, the team, again, not likely to contend. Uh, be an incredible learning experience. Uh, let him just, you know, even if, his, if he has a five-and-a-half ERA this year, he has five-and-a-half ERA. It's just the way it's going to be. But let him get that experience. Let him work with uh, Chris Fetter in the big league level. Learn how to get big leaguers out. Yeah, I mean – I'm concerned about I'm concerned about starting his delivery always is something that we've we've talked about this before, how his delivery is kind of he's had Tommy John surgery before and I don't know I, I I thought just based off his spring that 
and I maybe bought in the spring hike too much admittedly, but still I I don't want it like you I think it would be a good idea if the Tigers maybe they give them a couple days off and see from there maybe just find a mechanical thing and go from there because technically I mean the season one end season starts doesn't start till May 4th so I think if they they really need the best five pitchers out there and Scooble's one of them I mean I think Scooble's better than Urena right now and and Urena is just a guy who pitched to contact anyways and Scooble definitely has more swing and miss stuff so I just think maybe they'll give him a couple of days off when Trimble comes back. It'll work on something. Maybe those extra couple of days will help him out. Yeah. And, and AJ Hinch was, was pretty glowing about school in spring training. Even he, he was, you know, he, he was the first one to win a job. He got, he won the job before my, he looked better than my all spring. I mean, he, he had a couple if you outings, but uh, yeah. So I, I don't, I think uh, it's just one of those things he's had, he had, had uh, in his last outing, he, Things didn't look right, and he gave up a bunch of home runs. And today, he gave up a homer and then walked a bunch of guys, and, and his defense let him down a little bit. So he's clearly not completely right. But I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I don't, we'll see. We'll see a couple more outings. Like that maybe, maybe. Well, that's it. We're talking three starts. You know, if yeah. still talking this way after twelve starts, then you know we can really say, "Hey, yeah. what's going on here?" You know. So I think you're right. Uh, and then we got we got two questions from our old friend Steve Butts. Steve Butts. Um, Steve Butts. Yeah, he said, "How much patience do you think that the Tigers will record Toby Jones his slump tip?" How much patience? You said. Yeah. I now, think. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, go no, ahead. you go. You. Oh, um. Well, based off what I saw in Toledo tonight, they're going to give him all the patience in the world. Derek Hill's not. Derek Hill doesn't look. I mean, this is the second time I've seen Derek Hill. And he didn't look really good. He had a hard time scoring off the ball. Daz Cameron was not. Daz Cameron's on the taxi squad or no? I don't know. He wasn't there tonight. He wasn't starting. So I thought that was strange. He wasn't starting tonight. Hmm. So we got a Toledo special. We got a true, true Toledo special this evening. But uh, I think Jones is going to get every opportunity to stick around because, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, unless Daz Cameron comes around to or what have you even the shoulder issues aside that Cameron had, I don't know. I just don't, I think they're going to wait till June to make a decision on him. They're going to give him the, all the time in the world right now, even with Mazzara out now too. Who do you have a fourth outfielder? I mean, would you rather have Derek Hill go up there? Sure. He's a good defensive replacement, but right now, even with this new swing until the seat, I, I still think you need a couple, I need a month of Derek Hill down in Toledo getting consistent at bats before you call anybody up. So Jones is kind of stuck there till June. Yeah, I you know I, I don't see the harm in him getting another three or four hundred at bats this year, um, and for once and for all, determine if you're if you're moving forward with him as a, a starter or a bench player, or if you're just going to move on in general. Um, you know, J- Jacoby's nice defender, great athlete, streaky hitter. That's fine. He's a bench to me. He's always been a bench guy, often injured bench guy. Um, his playing time probably is going to come down to what Akil Badu is doing by mid-May. You know, is the bubble burst or is he still producing at a nice clip? Um, because then he's got to play pretty much every day. So um, we'll see. I like Jacoby. I, I love the, you know, when he goes over and robs home runs. And he's been an exciting player at times, but he's not somebody I can invest a lot of uh, great hope in. 
But again, if, if they give them 400 at bats this year in a, in a non-playoff season, that's fine. Yeah, but I, I guess, does he technically, technically have some minor league options? Toledo? I, I, I don't think he does. I thought he didn't have any left, but it looks like Fangraphs has him with two options left. So I don't know. Um, I don't think that he would get sent to Toledo. I, I think you've said it. You know, he, he's, he's a guy who's been a streaky hitter, and he can really do a lot of damage uh, for a couple of weeks at a time. And I, I don't think that they will, you know, they're not going to cut him. They're paying him like two and a half million dollars this year. And I think he's a, a definite candidate to get DFA'd in the offseason. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're going to keep him around. And, and like I said, we, we, as much as we love the Kill Badu stuff, and we don't want to compare him to Shelton or Bosch or Quittenberry or anybody else who had a hot, we know that this is, can't last. It's going, it's going to cool off. They're going to figure out how to pitch to him. He's only got 30 games above low A. Like, we just really need to appreciate how ridiculous it is. That this is <laughs> and, and just know that, yeah, there will be times he's going to be struggling really bad, and Jacoby Jones will be the better option. So, yeah, I, I think, as we were saying with school bullets, three starts, as with, you know, with, with Jones, we're, we're talking about, what, how many games have they played? 12, 13? 12, we're yeah. Not, we're not even a tenth uh, of the way into the season. Is Jones 20? What's that? Is he 28 or 27? Jones, I think, is 28. Yeah. Let me see. I'm looking. I got his page open right now. He's 20. He's almost 29. He'll be 29 uh, on May 10th. So, yeah, I mean, he's not young anymore. Not that 29 is old. uh, There are guys who finished their careers at 24. The Jacoby Jones breakout is probably uh, not exactly likely. Yeah, you know, it, it, it felt like he was getting there twice, and then the uh, the bad luck, broken hands hit by pitches, and it's just uh, yeah, it's just tough. Yeah. sometimes sports isn't fair. And uh, the other question we got from Steve Best was, uh, he said the bullpen, even with Alex Lang, is going to be a problem. Other than negligence, why wouldn't the Tigers take a look at Jeremy Jeffers or Shane Green? Talked about last week. Yeah. I don't get it. Uh, again, is Shane Green waiting for the right team in the right part of the standings to call with a job? I mean, I guess that's the biggest thing that we don't know. And if that's the case, and I, I can understand that. But otherwise, yeah, if, if he's just wanting a job and he's not getting a job, the Tigers can certainly afford it. He'd be a great addition to their – he'd be their best – first or second best reliever on the team so if they're serious about winning games they want to win games shane green could probably help them win games yeah well i i think that that i don't know if i would necessarily call it negligence, but i don't think the tigers came into this year planning on contending at all really right and, and I, I always kind of made the joke having a good belt open on a bad team is like putting a spoiler on a mail truck or something like that like it's just it's just for luck. And now you could technically you could you know sign some good relievers and trade them again. Yeah. But uh, I, the Tigers don't seem to be into that sort of thing. And I, I really think that they think they have a fair amount of youngish or inexperienced relievers that they want to figure out. So, so I mean, if, if there's some attrition there and they really if they're competing, if they still are competing in a month or two months from now, I think they would take tires up. Established relievers and try to do better, but I really I don't think they consider themselves real contenders. And you can call that if you want. 
yeah. <laughs> as far as and Jeffers is Jeffers is not signed either. I wasn't he signed. I thought he was with. I feel like he was with the Nationals, and then something strange happened, and they released him. I may be confusing him with someone else, but there was something weird that happened this year, and that was it. I know Carl Edwards Jr. was a guy who I liked too. That was a free agent until not too long before spring training started too. But I don't remember where he ended up landing. I still have a hard time believing Rick Porcello does not have a job. Yeah, that right there is. I mean, my gosh. You know, I was thinking earlier today, like it's it's kind of surprising to me that, that Philadelphia didn't sign him. You got Dombrowski there. He's a New Jersey kid. I mean, Philadelphia is right there. Uh, so I don't know. He had a good, like his his not outward numbers last year were awful, but for some of the best hidden, you know, FIP numbers of his career, I'm just amazed that nobody yeah. signed him. I'm either. I, I don't. I don't get it. And at some point, he, he for somebody like for a team, maybe perhaps like a. I don't. I'm trying to think of like an example of would work really well in Boston. I mean, Boston's got. They barely put a put. They patchwork together a pitching staff, and I'm not, I'm surprised they didn't try to attempt to bring him back. But, mm-hmm. you know, and he's from. He's not too far from that area too. So, uh, was that the last question, Chris? Yep, that's the last one I see here. Uh, so that was that. Thanks to those guys for, for spending there at the uh, at the eleventh hour for us. It gives us. It's nice to kind of spring these on on you guys, so we can see the mental uh, gears grind and, and know that you guys know what you're talking about. It's, it's fun. Yeah, <laughs> and I appreciate that. And and like I said, there is a, there's a show inbox, TigersSRD at gmail.com. Send us questions. I love questions. I love when we get questions. It, it just makes everything easy go. content. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, know, there's. Oh, sorry. I, I was just because I didn't know if you wanted to talk any more about what you saw in Toledo or. Yeah. I'll, well, I'll, it'll be, before we get to Toledo, I did want to see what I saw in Toronto, which ah. was the good old friend of the show who's been, he's been a podcast guest and old friend of the show, Andy Castro, made it up for Toronto, had a solid debut and looked really good he was in there because julie merriweather was on the the on the aisle i always want to say the stable list and um anthony castro got the call two innings and it's 1k and again for him going up there they they combined with uh trent thornton and rafael dallas for combining to go five innings one hit one walk and two strikeouts and Castro looks comfortable out there and the big and this was a walk-off win for the jays yesterday five to four and so kudos to Castro. I'm just glad he's up there. And, um, you know, it was the, it was what cracked me up was a line I saw on Twitter, which was hopefully maybe some other complete randos will go ham when they're given the opportunity for like those guys who did last year. Anthony Castro. Sure. Why not? How does <laughs> you go from 17 reliever to closer pretty effing fast? See Romero and Merriweather. No, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm a huge believer in the change of scenery factor for some people, uh, whether it's it's and not to say like, like, I think we all agree that figures are pretty good with. Uh, but for whatever reason, it, it just wasn't quite working with Anthony Castro and he got that chance from somewhere else. And, and hopefully he's going to succeed there. We've seen it the other way around. You know, Joey Wentz instantly got better when he came to the Tigers. Alex Lang is throwing like four or five miles an hour harder when he came to the Tigers. So. It happens all over the place. I mean, you, you wish the guy's success, especially, you know, he grew up in the Tigers organization. So it's cool to see him go out there and have some luck. And 
yeah, Merriweather is hurt, so maybe Kessler can be their closer. Who knows? Yeah. You know, Roger, you're comfortable about Castro, how he looked. And that reminded me of something from the other night. I thought Brian Garcia looked comfortable when he came in with the bases loaded, nobody out. And he looked calm, and he got out of that jam. That was that was pretty nice. Uh, you got to be pretty impressed with that one. I mean, Garcia, you know, his numbers weren't great last year, but he got the job done. I don't think anybody really believes in him yet, but he's got that closer polish from high, from uh, college, and he showed he showed some moxie the other night. He did, and I, you know what? Look, and he had that changeup that was like, whoa! What was that at? That was nice. And I, you know, I got to give him a lot of credit for coming out there in a really situation where. I think, again, we can kind of question why A.J. Hinch would bring out Cisnero three days in a row. Did not understand that whatsoever, but it is what it is. But in terms of what I – I would get back to what I saw in Toledo real quick. In terms of what Spencer Turnbull was offering, like I said, five one-thirds innings. I collect, I thought it was four hits, three hits, but it was a couple of um, like kind of the screamer down the third baseline, a couple singles to right and then he had two wooden or broken bats where they were just lumber one went up the center one up the right and a lot of nubblers but he was trying to you know, again he was nibbling a little bit he was doing what he does you know he's trying to he was feeling really well but he had movement on everything throwing hard and i think he was just trying to establish his secondary pitches quite a bit but he had like a curveball looking thing it was just but everything looked good and i think he's ready to go back but you could tell he was kind of beating himself up a little bit for not challenging the hitters more and a lot of these Red guys or Cincinnati Red prospects. I'll be honest, I haven't really. The Red system is some system I really don't know too much about. The guy who was throwing for the Reds, the starter, who I, I thought, I'll look through my notes. 76, all like secondary, you know, fastball, maybe it was at 90 tops. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the Tigers had a hard time squaring up. It was Danny Woodrow, the, the hero of the day. When I went before I left, he had a double and a triple, both hard hit balls to center. Mentioned earlier a little bit, Derek Haas, or excuse me, uh, Derek Hill kind of looked a little flat. He had a, there was a good relay though, where it hit off the wall. Hill gets it, but he falls and he gets it in, but they get him, the guy at the third, anyways. But Derek Haas had a two run blast. He looked good at first base. He had a nice throw at home where they were sending somebody home and it was a nice relay, a bang bang play. And the Tigers were able to execute. Jake Rogers had a single and he struck out though. But uh, overall, if we go, if depending on how Chris feels tomorrow, we're gonna end up going back there tomorrow. And I'm not sure who's gonna start for the Tigers, but it was Heaven has got the call up today, and it was relieving was uh, Miguel Del Pozo. So when I, when Del Pozo came in, I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll take off. I thought it was, it was you know, like I know, I know where he's he's his org is, or where he's at in the org, but the Del Pozo had a nice strikeout. But again, not to make too much of it. And there's a couple of scouts there too, a national scout, and there's an A scout there too. Yeah, with the guy like Del Pozo, like it is one of those like, you know, you're doing that for the Tigers final league report. Uh, Del Pozo is not a prospect. He's not going to be. It doesn't mean he might not come up one day, but it's it's the sort of thing where you don't like, need to give people video or, or tell nobody really cares that he's throwing. Uh, <laughs> if he's good, we'll find out eventually. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I got some of bats uh, a Paredes, and I got some of bats 
of uh, Cody Clements too. And there was a walk by, I think it was, and then Ryan Kreidler, who you and I were yeah. both talking about. That was, that was a surprise there, Chris, when he started short. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's kind of been our mantra on the show uh, the last few years. It's, the team tells you what they think about players by where they put them. And Ryan Kreidler being in Toledo and not down in Lakeland with guys like, uh, you know, I think Lipsis is down there. And some of his, his fellow draft picks that year, along with Perkelson and Dengler and those guys. Nico goes deep. Oh, he was that, deep. nice, nice, nice. <laughs> Goodrum went deep there. It's, uh, now, right, oh. yeah, right-handed so, Goodrum, man. It's it, yeah, he's everybody's talking about like, hey, she's little Caesars, that right-handed. It's a hard right. Yeah, them. sure. But uh, yeah, here we go. Maybe they can get to that like throwing bullpen. But uh, no, I, I, I the point. Like, I, I think that the fact that Clemens and and Kreidler are there. And you said Kreidler was playing shortstop. Yeah. I still get a lot of uh, Don Kelly vibes from Ryan Kreidler. I think it's just the way his swing is. I, I don't know how else to describe it, but it just seems like, like an emergency hack every time, even though he's got a surprising pop. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. He'll be one to watch this year, see where they, they initially start him. Yeah, and Woodrow was in center, Hills in right, and Jacob Robson was in left and Rogers behind the plate. So it looked like, but like I said, it was even, I thought Cody Clemens, you know, Cody Clemens and Kyler did a really good job defensively. And, and Herrick Haas, again, no complaints there on first base. He's been playing left or first base in Toledo. The first time I saw him, he was in left. So the rosters already kind of slightly changed. And it was weird. I think one of the innings that ended with what the Reds or yeah, it was, I try to remember how it was a lot of walk. I know Turnbull had th- th- uh, two walks or three walks, some of that, that effect. But there was a couple times he got ahead of hitters, and then sometimes he fell behind. But overall, I think he's ready to go. I think he was just like, yeah, let's let's get going. And so, but like I said, if you go to our, our Twitter page at Tigers ML Report, you can see some of the movement there, or even my own Twitter page, Roger Cast Baseball. I'm gonna make. I'm actually gonna make an iMovie. I'm gonna post that tomorrow on our YouTube page and. Speaking of our YouTube page, there will be a, we'll probably do a live show here. We haven't done one. It's been a while since we've done one, but truthfully, we've just been live tweet between all the live tweeting, all the work we've been doing on the website. Works. I'm exhausted, but I'm trying to, uh, uh, we'll, we'll probably do a live show next week. So um, before we get out of here, I'm tr- uh, don't forget to check out our fans. The Welcome to the Jungle by Marty Tillman, our fantasy expert. He's going to give you a 15 minute overview on what kind of fantasy baseball tips you should know. And he was doing a victory lap because Carlos Rodon. He picked up Carlos Rodon in the beginning of the season. So, congratulations, Marty. Nice. Well deserved. And was there anything else before we get out of here, gentlemen? No, I mean, the only other thing that, that just to, you know, Chip has been down there at uh, at the games down in Florida. And he's, he's tweeted out, if people haven't seen it, he's put out a couple really nice videos there. And, uh, you know, a couple really impressive performances by Dylan Dingler, including throwing two guys out on the bases. And then today he had a home run to, right center so you know that's good to see wow oh yeah no well, I, I go ahead i'm sorry no, no that's it. like hearing positive reports on dingler i you know of what i've watched and, and what i've observed uh you know from college days and so on he's the kind of guy uh, i'm almost moving on from jake rogers you know so uh it'd be great to see dingler make some serious strides this year yeah, 
and, and that gun he got is amazing too. So be on the lookout for that. All this some great content. There's gonna be like I said, there's gonna be a we dropping a pod this weekend, some stuff on the YouTube channel side of things. So and just to clarify, you mean James Shipman's new radar gun. Yeah, radar gun, yes. Yes, James Shipman's radar gun with all these bells and whistles that I can go into, but I'll let him talk about it this weekend. So again, I'm looking forward to it as well. So stay tuned for Welcome to the Jungle here by Marty Tallman. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back on Sunday with a recap of the weekend series with the A's. And before they open up a three-game series with the Pirates on Tuesday, which will be should be going at because I'm getting my shot on Saturday. So if I don't grow a third leg or the tracker <laughs> or whatever, or, you know, whatever. Happens, the, <laughs> the, the, is it the Pfizer one or what is it? The Pfizer one. I'm getting the Pfizer one. Pfizer. Or the funky Cole Medina one. Um, sure. So either way, we'll be back Monday. Get off our show! Welcome to the Jungle with your host, Marty Tallman, lead fantasy baseball analyst at Motor City Bengals. You can find me on Twitter at Marty underscore Tallman. And this is a new segment where we take a quick look around Major League Baseball, covering all Major League injuries, stories, and developments around the league. But I'm going to give it a fantasy baseball spin. So uh, today we're going to cover some major news and then hop into my top five overreactions uh, from week one and two in Major League Baseball. First, before I get started, I would like to thank Roger Castillo and Chris Brown, the co-experts at Motor City Bengals, for giving me this platform and opportunity. I look forward to covering baseball all season long. Okay, so let's hop into it. Uh, starting with the news. So word just came out about the Houston Astros, Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman, Robel Garcia, and Martin Maldonado have all been placed on the injured reserve list. Um, speculating this is probably COVID-related, but it's only been about 18 hours since the news broke, so we do not know exactly if that is the case, that it is COVID-related, um, and who's affected, or who's just um, you know, tracing, and all that kind of stuff. So stay tuned. We'll know in the next, the next day or so. Um, We'll have a better outlook, you know, especially for fantasy. Um, Pittsburgh Pirates, Cabrian Hayes, the young third baseman, still has not swung a bat. So he's still recovering from his left wrist sprain, and there is currently no timetable for his return. However, his replacement, Philip Evans, he's only rostered in 25% of Yahoo leagues, and so far he has been doing a really good job. Uh, He's batting 382 with three home runs. He has five RBIs, and he's even scored eight runs. Um, His OPS is currently uh, 1.181, which is pretty incredible. So if you you need a short-term replacement at third base, um, he looks pretty good, especially because uh, next week the uh, Pirates play the Detroit Tigers, who uh, currently have an over five ERA as a team. Um, and then they, then they play the Twins, who are a little bit better. But still nothing too stellar. So keep an eye out uh, on Philip Evans. New York Mets, Dom Smith. Now, this is just a quick rant. There's no news here, um, except for the fact that Dom Smith needs to be an everyday player for the Mets. He's been absolutely incredible all year so far. Um, last night, he went three for four. Again, so, yeah, this is just a public service announcement to anybody who needs to hear it. Dominic Smith needs to play every single day. Uh, The Atlanta Braves, Max Free, just went on a 10-day IL um, because he pulled his hamstring when he was running the first. So uh, another quick rant. This is about the 
367th reason why pitchers should no longer bat in Major League Baseball. I mean, you know, he goes a little leg out, uh, probably a ground out anyway, hurts his hamstring. He's on the 10-day IL. Um, I mean, three, to be honest, just for his first two appearances, he actually looked pretty rough. He's not doing too well. So maybe this may help him kind of, uh, you know, get recentered because um, he's given up 14 earned runs in 11 innings. But, yeah, I still hate to see that happen. Back to the Mets. So the Carlos Carrasco, um, the old veteran here, um, he's recovering from a strained hamstring, and he's expected to be back, quote, soon. Um, he's already been stretched out to four innings. Um, he threw a two-inning session you know, at the alternative site a few days ago, so it looks like he's beating his six- to eight-week timetable with the hamstring. He should be back here within the next week or so. Now, the New York Yankees, Luke Voigt, is now finally being cleared for light baseball activities. So expect him to stay on the 60-day IL, um, and there's not really too much of an update there. Just to let you know, Luke Voigt owners, he is, you know, he's getting back on his feet. Um, Milwaukee Brewers a slugger Christian Yelich is day-to-day with lower back tightness, and he's going to be reevaluated um, after today. So we'll keep an eye on that. He should be okay. But uh, anytime we're talking back, um, back issues, you know, those can linger. Lorenzo Cain um, for the Brewers, he's still on the 10-day IL with a quad strain, which this leaves Avesal Garcia, um, puts him in a really good place for a bunch of playing time. And so we've, he, he lost about 30 pounds in the offseason, and so far he's hit a couple bombs. Um, he's stolen a few bases. And so Avisal Garcia, if you need somebody, you know, in a fifth outfielder, you know, as your fifth outfielder in a five-outfielder league, um, or, you know, deep benches, maybe a 12-team league. Um, so far, he's rosterable, and um, I have him in my TGFBI, which is a 15-team uh, NFBC roster, so very deep league. But I've been starting him at my utility, you know, and he's actually been doing really well. So uh, keep an eye out on Avisal Garcia. Uh, San Diego Padres, Fernando Tatis Jr. So let's take a moment here just to be bummed out about Fernando and the possibility that he really injured his shoulder. Um, I mean, they're expecting him to be back as early as Friday, there's no official word, but that's pretty much what kind of what they alluded to uh, the Padres staff when they said you know, we expect him to be out a minimal 10 days. So we'll keep an eye out to see if he's going to be there Friday. Obviously, there's been tons of speculation what can happen with him with another huge swing or a hard throw um, with the shoulder and re-injury. But um, I'm glad just to see him back on the field. He's personally one of my favorite players. He's the, the face of baseball, and I think he's super exciting. Moving to Arizona. So the Diamondbacks could tell Marte is on the 10-day IL with a hamstring strain. And this one was brutal. Uh, I don't know if, if he had an opportunity to see this, but it was one of those ones where it looks like, you know, he looks like he got, uh, you know, bit, bit in the butt with the bullet, you know, Forrest Gump style. Just immediately goes down, um, buries his head. You know, it didn't look good. So expect him to take the full 10, if not longer there. He's a little bit older, so they may even want to take their time more. Um, if you need a replacement for him, if you're looking for someone on, you know, on Arizona, Tim LaCastro's done pretty well. He's only not, not rostered in 9% of Yahoo leagues. So um, it's not someone I'm personally targeting, but take a look, you know, if you do, if you do need somebody there. Um, some good news. So the White Sox, Tim Anderson, is will be returning to the lineup today uh, to face uh, the Cleveland Indians. He was on the 10-day IL with the left hamstring strain as well. Um, but they expected him to be back when he was first eligible. So today we're going to see um, how that plays out uh, from a fantasy perspective. Obviously, the biggest thing is, is he going to be aggressive? Are they going to have him running the bases trying to get you the 10, 15, 20 steals you were hoping to get out of him this year? Um, let's hope so. Uh, but, yeah, it's just great to have him back there on the field. 
back to some more bad news. So Seattle Mariners, James Paxton is out for the year. Um, he's going to be getting Tommy John surgery. You know, we all saw him go down, you know, when he threw the ball, immediately went to his arm, holding it with just the amount of injuries James Paxton has had over the years. I mean, you have to feel bad for him. I mean, he's consistently rehabbing. Um, you know, he had those couple of years where he was the big maple. He looked great for the Mariners. Went to New York, obviously didn't work out. Comes back to Seattle for a reunion. And similar to, um, you know, similar to last year, he gets hurt right away. So I'm not sure if he'll ever be able to regain who he once was, but uh, just hoping for a good, successful surgery. And hopefully he can, uh, Paxton will be out there someday soon. Toronto Blue Jays, George Springer. So he, he took batting practice for the first time yesterday since entering his quad, which he did while he was rehabbing his oblique. So they just stay with me there. So he got injured rehabbing an injury, but he's uh, back taking batting practice. The team doesn't expect him to be there over the weekend, but sometime uh, maybe mid to late next week. Um, Minnesota Twins, Byron Buxton. Uh, he's nursing a sore hamstring and he's day to day for now. So um, and from a fantasy perspective, anything that Buxton's done over the last few weeks, if you if you own him, you look like a genius and you've been taking your victory laps on Twitter. If you don't, you've were one like me. Because I always avoid him. In the back of my mind, I was starting to think, darn it, you know, maybe I should have just took a took him, you know, one, one league, you know, because of his upside. It's so crazy that the power is always there. The the stolen bases haven't been there yet, but who knows? Um, but the biggest question of our mark about him at always was his uh, whether or not he can stay stay healthy. And right here it is. He's been playing amazing. He's been playing super aggressive, and he, now he has a sore hamstring. Um, keep an eye on it, but I, honestly, I do think it's the end of this uh, end of this Cinderella story for him. Uh, the Bears are who we thought they were, and uh, Buxton's injured. And then lastly, let's touch on Cincinnati Reds. So Sonny Gray is finally going to make his debut either Friday or Saturday um, against Cleveland. So um, it's just good to see him out there. I mean, anytime you have a back a back injury for a pitcher, getting up not getting up there, you know, but he's a little bit older. Um, it's always something that kind of, you know, you're, you're always just afraid how long he's going to be out there. So we'll see how Sonny Gray does. Uh, he's had a roller coaster of a career, but, you know, I'm expecting him to have a, a good year this year. Okay, so that's the news for now. Uh, now we're going to move into my five, my top five overreactions from week one and two. So we're going to start out with number one, the Detroit Tigers, Akil Badu. So my overreaction is from now on for the rest of the year, he is a must start in all 10, 12, and 15 team fantasy baseball leagues. Um, and he's just been absolutely incredible. I mean, you know, I think I'd be doing um, everybody, you know, the Motor City Bengals crew and all the Detroit Tigers fans a disservice if I didn't lead off with him. Uh, so far in his short career, he has you know, 25 uh, plate appearances. He's hit four home runs. He has 10 RBIs. He has a stolen base. He's batting 391 with a slugging over 1,000. So he's been absolutely incredible. His sprint speed's in the 93rd percentile. Barrel percentage in the 94th percentile. X slug 99th percentile. I mean, I can just go on and on. Akil Badu, uh, he's 22 years old. Uh, we got him from the Twins, or, or uh, the Tigers got him from the Twins as a Rule 5 uh, draftee, and he's just been, you know, absolutely amazing. So, yeah, he should be rostered in all leagues moving forward. Uh, White Sox, your man Mercedes, another guy who should be uh, rostered everywhere moving forward. The, speaking now this is an actual Cinderella story. Um, no one saw this guy this coming. I mean, he's 28 years old. Um, he's defensively, uh, defensively, he's one of the worst prospects of all time. I think he got a 30 grade in his defense, which I didn't know was possible, but I heard that on a podcast, uh, I think yesterday, um, rates and barrels. Um, but he's just been 
incredible. I mean, he's batting 485. He's got two bombs, seven RBIs. His OPS is 1.298. You look at a StatCast page, 94th percentile and max exit velocity. He's not striking out. Um, He's just been incredible. So, I mean, I don't think he's on your waiver wire anymore, but I expect this to continue. I think he's going to be their DH moving forward especially with the injuries that they've had. Vaughn looks like Andrew Vaughn, their top prospect, is going to move you know, more into playing the outfield. Um, and with Eloy Jimenez out, you know, I think pretty much all year. Um, and Adam Eaton's stepping up a little bit here too. But, yeah, your man Mercedes has been absolutely incredible. So keep riding that, uh, keep riding that wave you know, until it crashes. Um, here is my third overreaction. It's going to be Lance Lynn will be a Cy Young candidate this year. Top three Cy Young candidates um, in my latest episode um, between the seams with Marty and Matt that we do on Triple Play Fantasy. Um, I declare Lance Lynn as my most beloved and rostered pitcher. And now I'm going to take it even one step further. So Lance Lynn is a bona fide ace. He's a SP number one, and he will finish as a top 10 pitcher in Roto and points leagues for the 2021 season. And as I already said, I have him. I want. I think he's going to be a top three candidate for the AL Cy Young. He's coming off an amazing night. Um, he limbed through last week. He threw a complete game shutout against the Royals, allowing no walks and scattered five hits. And in this day and age, the the biggest thing I was concerned about, especially with my starting pitching, is concerned about innings limits or going deep into games. The the quality start is getting even harder and harder to find. And with Lance Lynn, there's absolutely no worries. You know, you, you, I took him as my number as my number two starting pitcher in most leagues, and I absolutely love it. Um, the White Sox has have a top five offense, so he should get plenty of wins along with his quality starts. And he's going to get 200 innings, get over 200 strikeouts, and he has the chance to be your best pitcher um, in fantasy. All right, so let's move to something a little less positive, and I want to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. So Keston Hira, um, my overreaction is that he should be moved into the minors. Just a few days ago, he was striking out about 46% of the time, and when you watched him actually bat, he looked so lost, absolutely lost, um, swinging at everything inside the zone, outside of the zone, whatever it is. Um, and coming into this year, I love Keston Hira. You know, from a fantasy perspective, I expected him to hit 25 to 30 home runs, steal around 15 bases, and strike out about 30% of the time, which I thought was high. But, um, I mean, just to begin the year, you look at a stat cast page, he's a Mr. Freeze. I mean, everything is blue. He's batting 114. He only has one home run. He only has one stolen base. His on-base percentage is 225. So, it's scary. You know, if, if you do um, roster him as your starting second baseman, you might want to lo- look somewhere else. Um, it's obviously, you know, it's only been for him. He's only had 40 plate appearances, but it's he only had, I mean, he was striking out 40% of the time in spring training. Last year, he struck out, I think, what was it? Yeah, 38, 34.6% of the time. So um, it's scary. So Keston Hira from here on out, from or from now, from right now, Definitely bench him in your fantasy league until you see something. Um, and if you're the Brewers, you might want to think about sending him down, have him work on his, uh, his approach and, and his play discipline because it's getting really bad. 
And then lastly, uh, I'm going to talk about Marco Gonzalez, the starting pitcher for the Seattle Mariners. So this is the first year, um, 2021, this is the first year I bought into Marco Gonzalez. You know, I started drinking the Kool-Aid after the, his last few years of just being, I mean, honestly, just stellar. I mean, he's been so good the last few years. Um, I expected him to keep that going, you know, for this year. And like I've already said a few times, one of the big, my biggest concerns with starting pitching was going to be, you know, allowing pitchers to go deep into games. And with Marco Gonzalez, there's not too, you know, I'm not worried at all. I'm expect, I'm expecting him to go deep into games, but man. Um, I mean, last year he, he had six quality starts. He had a 3.10 ERA and a 0.95 whip. So last year he was amazing. But if we peel back the curtain just a little bit, we'll see that he actually he's gotten pretty lucky over the last few years. So even though he had a 3.10 ERA, his xFIP in 2020 was 4.13, and in 2019 Gonzalez's xFIP was 5.11. Um, he possesses a very limited strikeout upside, um, so it's imperative that he really dominates the ratio um, categories, you know, your whip and your ERA. And right now he's got a 10.45 ERA and a 2.129 whip. So um, for me in a 12-team, a 10-team or 12-team league, he is fully droppable. And if you're in a 15-team league, I'm not going to say drop him, but I would wait. You know, I, I would I would bench him you know, until to see if he can kind of figure this thing out um, with Seattle. He's not going to get too many wins anyway. So um, yeah, I just, uh, I just don't like what I see from Gonzalez and I'm ready to cut bait. And yeah, so those are my top five overreactions from the first two weeks of baseball. Um, and that's all I'm going to have for you this week. Again, I'd like to thank Roger Castillo and Chris Brown for giving me this opportunity. Um, this is a bit, this has been the, uh, the jungle with your host, Marty Tallman, and you can find me on Twitter at Marty underscore Tallman. I'm the lead fantasy baseball analyst for Motor City Bengals. I uh, do most of my uh, writing about fantasy, but also about your beloved Detroit Tigers. I'm, again, looking forward to uh, bringing this um, segment to you all year and interacting with you guys on Twitter and on the website. All right, thanks. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Bye-bye.